0: Online at KFUO.org.
1: Welcome back to Concord Matters, where we seek to be of one mind in Christ, according to the word of God that we know can be spoken again and again and again and never change. That Jesus Christ our Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And knowing therefore that his church, as his church, if we will ever have unity on this earth, it won't be in external things. It won't be in the things that we come up with. It won't be in the things that are of our mind or our our tradition. It will be of the words of Jesus. And so as Lutherans, we continue to confess those words. We speak them again. We same-say them, and we do it according to the same confession we've had for over 500 years, the Book of Concord. We're right now taking up the the front end of the apology to that Book of Concord, uh, the apology to the Augsburg Confession therein, defending it over and against the attacks of disunity, the divisive—well, lies— that were being cast at Christianity from within the visible church. And finishing up on original sin, Article 2, which is really kind of the linchpin point for where Lutheran churches and the Roman Catholic church disagree. Uh, what is mankind and what is his real need for salvation? We're going to finish that up today as well as get into the Savior himself, Article 3, Jesus Christ our Lord. I have with me in studio today. Pastor Peter Eel of Trinity Lutheran Church in Millstead, Illinois, Pastor Sean Smith of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Winehall, and Emmanuel Lutheran Church in West Point, Illinois, and everybody's favorite layman, Peter Slayton, social media manager of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. Good to be here. Yeah? Great to be here. Fantastic to be here. Isn't it just a blast? It's so much fun. It's it hot. is. It's hot in here, though. You guys a want? little bit. Yeah, I'm
0: warm. Usually it's so cold.
1: So, so, so <laughs> Really?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's usually freezing in here.
1: Oh. Oh, then I'll have
2: to. But it's great right now.
0: No, it's hot. It's (laughs) because of the heat wave outside. Oh, geez. 60 plus. Yeah, right.
2: Right, which is the. Blowing like you wouldn't believe. I'm in a short sleeve shirt again. In January. In January.
1: Which is a sign of your original sin, Peter.
2: Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, it is true. I'm almost always hotter I, than everybody else. I'm so. just
1: trying to segue out of this weather system into uh, into the...
2: We're in a conversational <laughs> storm. Is that what you're saying? That, there yeah. you go. That's yeah.
1: good. That was very good, Peter. Uh, we, we've only got one paragraph left, and we probably should have hit this last week, but we, we dovetailed because we thought there was quality enough to deal with. Uh, but we just have to wrap up original sin. And in that sense, we're not really... Opening a new pot at all. Instead, we we catch Melanchthon basically saying, "Look, this shouldn't even be an argument. It's kind of ridiculous that we're having this conversation. We can't answer every false attack that's thrown at us. Particularly if you think about you know, a false attack. I mean, someone who wants to argue with you. You've been in a situation like that where they just they don't want to agree, so they're just going to find an argument. Well, we can't answer every comment on Facebook, right? It's uh, <laughs> eventually what he's saying. Um, so we're going to leave it with this right where it is. But we're picking up again." Paragraph 51 of Article 2 of the Apology to the Augsburg Confession. You can call us live. We'll take your questions on air. 1-800-730-2727. Say it again. 1-800-730-2727. And if I'm not mistaken, there is a photo that's just been posted to facebook.com slash Radio with uh, Sean Smith, Peter Ill, and Peter Slayton. And you can comment there, and we'll read your question online. online. Jeez, of course we'll read it online. We'll read it on the air, try to deal with it as well. So if you want to make fun of Peter's shirt, his original sin, I'm talking Slayton, Slayton not not uh, Ill, uh, do that there, and we'll we'll definitely enjoy some brevity. Yeah, Pastor Ill's
2: got a nice collar. You can't make fun of that.
1: Yes, you can. <laughs> All three pastors are like, ah, uh. wait a minute. <laughs> All right, so let's dig in here. Paragraph 51 starts off like this. It says, we think that, uh, we think this, meaning everything that came before, will satisfy his imperial majesty about the childish and trivial sophistry The adversaries used to pervert our article on original sin. We know that we believe correctly in harmony with the Church Catholic of Christ. If the adversaries renew this controversy, there will be more than enough of us to reply and to defend the truth. In this case, our adversaries, to a great extent, do not understand (laughs) what they are saying. They often speak in a contradictory way and do not explain either correctly or logically what is the essence of the original sin, and what they call a defect. We are unwilling here to examine their arguments in any further subtle detail. We think it is worthwhile just to recite in customary and well-known words the belief of the Holy Fathers, which we also follow. You really get uh, a bit of Melanchthon snark. In yeah, the, like, we're back into snark yeah, territory. Oh, man. <laughs> well, yeah. It's kind of fun.
2: And at, at the risk of being a little too geeky here, as I read this paragraph... It reminds me, if any of anybody plays Magic the Gathering, I know some people here enjoy that, the trample card. Sure. It's like he's Melanchthon's just laid down the trample card, so he's hit you, and then he's just going to overwhelm you with whatever's left. And go just, right over the top. Yeah, we're just going to go right over the top, and just, boom, you're done. You're trampled.
1: Well, the fact that he calls them sophists is, is pretty. I mean, for, that, for medieval insults, that's that's kind of where it goes. The sophists were a Greek philosophical group. They weren't necessarily what the word came to mean, but it, it led to sort of playing with words without meaning, like just loving the sounds of the words, wanting to hear yourself talk and not say anything. You know what I do all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but calling them sophists, you know, that's 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 hardcore baseball, effectively. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just. Uh... I don't, I don't, we, we've expended kind of all words on this at, at this point here, but uh, yeah, he, he's <laughs> kind he's, of like Melanchthon. He's, he's like, anything. I got nothing. Well, we've been covering this for several weeks, but uh, yeah, no, he's, uh, yeah, he's just, um, that, that's kind of where he's at too. You know, he's like, look, I, I've i gone into this in great detail and I'm just going to make fun of you in a very heady way because he's a very heady guy and he's ready to move on.
3: <laughs> but he does leave them with one uh, theological fastball and, and when he says they call original Mm. sin a defect. And in my copy, it has even the scare quotes around defect. Uh, They're saying that original sin isn't a big deal. And he, even at the very end, is pointing out, no, they're saying that original sin isn't something to worry about. It's, you know, we're all kind of messed up. But it's more than we're all kind of messed up. We are all messed up by our original sin to the point that we should be
1: condemned to hell. Right, so that defect there would even be like a technical term for the Romans, right? Yeah. A word, yeah, the, a word and, they would use.
3: Yeah, they're using this this word to say, well, original sin, it's only a defect. It's only a flesh wound, as they might right, say. There you go. Uh, more, <laughs> more geek. Your <laughs> arm's off. Exactly. But that's not the case. It is, it is a terrible, damning wound that all people have to deal with. And it is only by the grace of Jesus Christ that we can be uh, resolved. And that's exactly where Melanchthon is going to go next um, as, as he gets ready for the next article.
0: Yeah, it's it's diagnosis and and he's going to go to the cure and remedy absolutely. And uh, you know we still encounter this today too. To kind of wrap this up, I mean, uh, it, it is amazing to me sometimes in my pastoral counseling and ministry. Um, you know, when 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 someone falls into sin right I mean there's the original sin um, but uh, falls into a specific sin and then someone else is affected by that and it's like oh I didn't realize I was living with a monster and it's like I think you don't understand the, the original sin the sinful nature right. um, you know you, you don't give it enough credit I'm never surprised when individualism and selfishness comes out in a specific sin um, and, and some people might call me fatalist on that but it's like I, I just I know that at some point you know uh, we're all going to turn to that. And, and we shouldn't be surprised by it when it happens. Um, right. Let uh, he who
1: stands take heed lest he fall, right? right? And that every single one of us, but for the grace of God, would fall before the end. And the one who says, no, I won't, well, you're actually maybe already there.
3: Right. And, and that's and, almost when you need to hear Jesus' words of, get behind me, Satan. Right. Uh, mm. Because you have that sign, that kind of, of self-confidence and self-assurance that surely I can't fall and... Watch this, yeah.
0: And, and, and when you have this kind of defect, kind of theology that the Catholics have, and is still present today, it leads to this. You know, it, it's just this. You know, inclination to sin. You know, it, it can be that tinder as we've talked about in previous weeks that can just uh, you know spark and set it off, and and then that's the real that's the real problem. But if you Negate that what what you kind of have is a failure to recognize that this person is dead in their sin I mean Mm -hmm. you can dress up and put makeup on a dead body all you want, but the person's still dead, right? right? Right, it's not going to deal with the problem, um, and so you are going to be surprised by specific sin when it comes out. If this is your approach, if if you just merely have this defect, oh, you know, Peter, uh, whichever one is next to me here, uh, you know, P- we Peter's both have defects. Yeah, yeah so, Peter's yeah. a pretty Lots good pretty- guy, you know, but but Peter sins against me. Oh my gosh, he's a monster. You know, I can't I can't believe that that's the Peter. No, I mean we can't be surprised by it.
2: Right. Well, and it's always the other person who's the monster. It's right. never yourself. Oh, and yeah. when you get down to original sin. And that's, that's what we really need to grapple with. No, this is within me. I can't just look at other people and say, look at how bad they are. This person's a monster. I can't believe they did that to me. What we need to be doing, and this is where we eventually get to Christ, of course, is looking at ourselves and saying, no, I'm, I'm actually capable of that too. That could have been me, and it may be me next I need Christ.
0: Well, That's and that, where we got to go with that. And if we actually confess with St. Paul, right, that yeah. Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Yeah, I mean, we should all be saying that with St. Paul.
1: Yeah. It made me think of Romans chapter 2 as well. So the, the thing that I get most upset about other people doing to me is probably the thing I'm often doing. You know, you who who say, uh, preaching and stealing, do you not steal? And uh, you who uh, 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 fight against idols, do you not rob temples? Uh, the point there, ultimately, is that uh, your sin is going to be most annoyed by the other sin that's just like it that's around you and you're going to want it to stop and it's just flaring out in every direction when all the while you're it, well it takes two to tango i guess is the yeah.
2: is the old proverb goes we, we notice the sins that we're the most familiar with yeah because they're our own sins yeah and we see them in other people i've noticed this about myself when i find personality traits and in other individuals or things that they do that really really bug me i've i've learned to look and say i I think that bugs me because
3: I actually do it.
2: I've learned that about you. Too, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> oh well it's nice you've learned something. <laughs> yes. Excellent. <laughs> it,
3: but this is why in our confession in the Divine Service we say, I, a poor, miserable sinner. Hmm. And 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 we're rightly saying, I think, that mm-hmm. we're not projecting this original sin onto somebody else we're not reading this article of the apology or or talking at all about original sin so that i can condemn somebody else for their original sin but rather that i can look at myself at my brokenness at my corruption as as sean said before as my my death uh that I deserve. And here comes Jesus to save us from death. The resurrection and the life is going to bring us back to life uh, with him.
1: What's well, really nice about that. So, you know, when, when Melanchthon says, our adversaries do not understand what they are saying, right? It's, it's a slap in the face, yet at the same time, it's not like we're sitting here saying, well, they're Roman Catholics, so they're wrong. We're Lutherans, so we're right. Uh, we actually are confessing how wrong we are, and we're frustrated that they won't join us in that same confession <laughs> of sin, right? That they don't understand Understand how much they're attempting to well justify themselves. So where this entire thing is going to go? Any more mm-hmm. on this last paragraph? I know, I well, know. Pastor Smith wants to get out of original sin as fast yeah. as possible. <laughs> he well, considers it just a defect and not worth spending too much time <laughs> on. Oh, oh. Uh,
0: he's tired of the introspection. Well, actually, <laughs> I had one more thing to say, but it ties us into hopefully moving on. Right? Um, is it, and one of the key points here in understanding the apology or anything in the Book of Concord really is that we have we have this body of doctrine. And then you have spe- specific articles. And so we talk about, you know, there, there, you know we may use the language, the, the doctrine of sin, but it's probably more beneficial for us to use it, you know, the article of doctrine on sin, right? Because you have this whole body of doctrine and things will quickly come unraveled when you get an article wrong. And so we're going to see moving on to the article on Christ, the third article here, um, that there's agreement there, but there's not really agreement because we'll see justification, what Christ came for is not a point of agreement. We don't have a a point of agreement on what the um, diagnosis of the problem is, sin immediately preceding it. And so you have um, maybe specific articles where on the surface we have agreement, but it quickly comes unraveled. To use a quick image for this, um, I remember I once had a car accident uh, and my truck uh, went to the body shop after the accident and they were working on it and they restored it. And on the outside, it looked great and everything. They returned it to me and it wasn't working right and come to find out there was frame damage underneath there that they did not see. And so, yeah, the body looked good on the outside but without the right diagnosis of what was actually the the deep um destructive matter going on there. Um I had a bigger problem. And so in 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 essence the truck was totaled in the end, right? And that's kind of where we're at with this with this situation. The the whole situation is totaled. We're dead in sin. And if you get that wrong, you don't know what you're saying because you're about to unravel what Christ came for and and what he did and and so on. And I
1: think so on. you see him actually saying as much when he then kind of sneakily inserts the word justify into the defense of Article 3, which oh, yeah. had been approved, right? They, they had effectively just confessed that the, the creed. They had confessed who Jesus was, what he did, historically speaking, the two natures in Christ, the Trinity. And that gets approved by the Roman Catholics. They don't condemn us for that article. So we come back and we just say, oh, good, you, you've accepted that article about how Jesus justifies us, right? And then they <laughs> slip it in because if you don't get that right, well, the rest of it doesn't really matter. Well, I don't want to say that. It's not like a, there's no such thing as a felicitous inconsistency. Roman Catholics are saved by Jesus. And unless they are obstinately insisting on their merit on the day of judgment, we, we want to hope that many of them will, will be forgiven of their sins um, and stand with us on the day of judgment justified. But they just don't know it, and they're being taught against it, and their consciences are ensnared because of it. Uh, so, anyhow... I mean, that does that And, can, sense? and yeah.
0: can lead to a whole lot of issues in this daily life, you know, like yeah. getting surprised by your neighbor who sins against you, and it's like, "Hello, original sin."
1: Right, right. <laughs> or not getting to eat meat on Fridays, which is just
0: lame,
1: <laughs> right? It's <Just laughs> not fun at all. I need my steak. I mean, how do you do a, a wild diet or a paleo when you can't mm. eat meat? I guess you can eat fish. Yeah, you're good. Okay, fish fry though—that's fish, really fish. That's meat? bad.
2: Let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. You're so- calling fish meat now. This is going downhill fast.
1: Man, no, no. He wanted to move on, but that was fighting words. That's like that's like saying that. uh, I think it's time for Article Three. It (laughs) is. Thank you, Peter. So Article Three reads: The adversaries approve Article Three, in which we confess that there are two natures in Christ. The human nature is assumed by the Word into the unity of His person. Christ suffered and died to reconcile the Father to us, and was raised again to reign to justify and to sanctify believers according to the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. Now, again, there's actually a ton in this. It's really short, but if you wanted to talk about two natures in Christ, I mean, that was a debate that rifted the church for a while, right? But really did, I guess. There are heretics now, the ones that don't confess it. But again, I, just to jump off at least, notice how we just kind of shove justification into this, that all of what Jesus did, by the way, it was to justify you.
0: Yeah, because that's the next article then, too, is Right. Article four. And, and and here again, Melanchthon is pointing to the point that I just made. There is this body of doctrine. And yes, we have this one article that on the surface we have agreement and we still encounter this today, too. I have a friend that loves to say, you know, uh, he, he loves the Reformed, you know, the, the good orthodox reformed nice uh, under, under Calvin. Right. They are nice people. And he's like, you, you know, you, you get you have 95% in common with them. And I'm like, right, but that last 5% is actually kind of really big. It's yeah. the you 5% know. that comes first, right. unfortunately. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, and so, yeah, do we on the surface agree with who Christ is? Yes. But it comes quickly unraveled. I, I To use another image for this, often driving down a road, right, is, is my image for him. We're going... Uh, lane by lane, we're we're doing the same things, saying the same things. And, and we have this even with the Catholics. I mean, our worship, when we're doing worship faithfully, liturgically, will look the same. And and to on, on the surface, it's the same. But then all of a sudden, they take an exit ramp, you know, right before you get to gospel proclamation and the actual fullness and beauty of the gospel that Christ has won for us. And I'm kind of left going on a gospel proclamation. And I'm looking there and it's like, why would you take that on? exit? You know, like, you're, you're not going to get there that way. That, that takes you a different way. I used to listen
1: to Eastern Orthodox radio just for some sacred music at times. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it was kind of neat that every so often they would break and there would be a series of prayers. And it was like, it was the seven hours of the day. They did it seven times a day. So it was kind of neat. And you know, mm-hmm. five minutes, here's your prayers for the day. And it was going along just fine. I'm, everything they're praying for, this is really great. I'm so thankful to be praying. And next thing I know, they're praying to Mary and they're praying to Thomas, not Tom. Well, yeah, Thomas, they're praying. Uh, just a list of saints. And I'm like, it's exactly the thing. Like they're, They got off on an exit. I'm like, where, where, whoa? How did we get here? I, gotta, I can't even stand. I have got to turn this off. Because suddenly, the well, the fellowship was broken, right. right? Yeah, it was rifted. We couldn't be unified.
3: And here, though, in Article 3, Melanchthon is quick to, uh, yeah, they agree with us. And let's restate everything that we said. And he takes wonderful Christology, and just starts to repeat it in this wonderfully short and brief and succinct way, with every word packed with meaning. Um, and so he starts out, uh, you know, there are two natures in Christ. And he goes on, and as he gets into this, uh, the human nature was assumed by the word into the unity of his person. Which is uh, loaded. It, it is. I, loaded, is. I, I've got a 600-page Chemnitz book on my shelf about that sentence. Yeah. Um, and this is also good right. Athanasian creed stuff. Uh, that's that creed that, you know, we confess in church about once a year and it seems to take a really long time. Let's
1: try to just unpack for a minute. Sure. We don't have to do all of, all of Chemnitz. So that, that was pretty, that's a pretty intense book, but at least the idea that uh, let's deal with the two, the two false teachings that were going on with uh, Eutychus and Nestorius and how that was a threat to the church by undermining who Jesus is, and let's see if we can tie that also to how this sentence answers the the mystery or the problem of you know w- did God change, which is effectively what the heresies are trying to avoid saying. Huh? So there's a guy named well there's two guys. One's named Eutychus, one named Nestorius. They start preaching against each other, and they end up on two sides of a debate, in which they're 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 both claiming the other guy is completely outside of Christianity. You guys want one? You want to take it from here, or do you want me to keep going? Uh,
3: I can talk about Nestorius. Go for it. Uh, Nestorius was teaching that uh, the two natures in Christ were unified, and the common comparison is like two boards glued together. So you have the divine part of Jesus, and you have the human part of Jesus, and if you get out your pry bar. You can pop them apart. Uh, and so that you can, not only can you distinguish the divine nature and the human nature, but you can separate the divine nature and the human nature. And there comes a point when uh, Christ isn't human or could not be human anymore. And it it really works against Jesus saying, this is my body, uh, and coming in his body and in his blood in the Lord's Supper. And Nestorianism is is really a terrifying thing. Is this really Jesus' body on the altar? He says it is, but can you separate Jesus' body from his divinity? Well, no. Uh, He has put it all together, and so we reject Nestorius out of hand just for that. You can't separate
1: the divinity and the humanity of Christ. You're getting at the modern problem where Calvinism on its its face is effectively a, a Nestorianism light. But I think when the ancient church, really the even bigger issue was then, I mean, if Jesus... If the God who is Jesus, the God who is the pre-incarnate Son of God, who who forever and ever is eternally begotten, didn't actually get into the human body, but just kind of like floated next to it and shared some power with it sometimes, then when Jesus dies, God doesn't die. And so the question becomes, how on earth does this one man actually pay for the sins of the world?
3: Sure, but I want to tweak you just a little bit sure. to get back in line with, with Article 3. It's not that the divinity goes into the humanity, but the divinity takes the humanity of Jesus and brings it into the Godhead uh, in in a way that logic defies. Right, uh, right. We, we don't understand this, but the humanity is brought into the Godhead. It's not the other way around. It's not that God plugged himself into humanity humanity even though that's a lot of times how we end up talking around christmas that god plugs himself into the humanity of of this child born to mary it's more that he assumed the humanity and then
1: was born you see how dangerous it is to even kind of debate
3: it and it's it's really easy to get Mm -hmm. to get just a little bit off and we want to make it look like God is beaming himself into humanity instead of God
1: is assuming humanity into himself. Into himself. It, what we also don't want to deny, though, on the flip side, too, is that God is incarnating, right? Oh, ab- absolutely, and I didn't mean to imply no, and otherwise. No, that's, that's the challenge with the language, right? And this, all the Trinitarian debates and all the uh, uh, the, the two natures of Christ debates in part, are debates of language with our fallen uh, inability to communicate perfectly running into... Uh, well, those who actually don't want to believe and then using that language to say one thing that's wrong that could have been acceptable as a phrase before they adopted it and started using it for themselves.
3: A line that I picked up in seminary was theology is the art of making distinctions. Right. And here you have one distinction that it is Christ assumes humanity into his divinity, into the Godhead. And we we hold to that, but we also don't deny the, the incarnation. And, and so we're making distinctions left and right in a very artful way and in a very helpful way to continue to confess that Jesus, man and God, came incarnate, born to the Virgin Mary,
1: suffering, dying, rising for you. Right. The God really died on the cross. And Absolutely. That, that's, that's ultimately what, what Nestorius's danger is. On the flip side, he got Eutychus, who uh, he, he was teaching the, the very opposite, really, that the humanity was taken into the Godhead, but in such a way as taking a drop of water and throwing it into the sea so that it was so absorbed, so just dispersed, it's, it came, came to be nothing. I mean, try to find a drop of water you threw into the ocean, right? You're never going to find it again. It's just gone. And so basically the manhood, the humanity it had disappeared entirely. And oftentimes Lutherans are accused by the Reformed of being slight I don't think we are. I think they're wrong. Um, but they, they do accuse us of that as if somehow, um, well, the bread and the wine on the altar now is only Jesus and no longer bread and wine. That's actually what the Roman Catholics would teach. So these two groups were were arguing against each other about uh, whether or not the humanity is joined to God like a board but not really part of it or whether the humanity was swallowed by God and not really there. And then again, Peter, to, you've said it again several times and it's, it's just the only way to say it uh, – the man was taken into God, but not in such a way that he ceased to be a man, right? Not in such a way that, again, God couldn't die. As if God left Jesus for him to die just for a moment and then came back into him afterwards or something like that. And there were a number of other Heretics, the adoptionists and whatnot that are all connected to this. Um, but a huge well, debate.
0: Yeah. Well, well, and it plays out in what we do and what we confess, um, too. We're just coming out of the Christmas season, and um, there's a very popular um, Christmas carol. Oh, that, I know where you're uh, going Oh, the glowing this. baby? Well. Um, no crying he makes. Yeah, no crying yeah. he makes. Isn't there one where he glows, too? Well, away in a manger is what I yeah, was yeah. talking about. I yeah. Know. I'm not you
2: familiar know. with the glowing Jesus. One. I think so. Yeah, I don't it's know a, what
1: you're
0: talking I think about. It's, I think that's a fisk, Kim. You know, oh, yeah She's making up his own hymns now, huh? No.
1: Yeah. You guys keep talking. I'm pulling. <laughs> so explain. Explain what you're saying about the no crying he makes.
0: Well, so what they're saying there is that you know here's this divine Jesus in in, they're they're in one sense denying the. Um, uh, the 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 incarnation. They're saying, you know, here here is God descended into human form, and well, God wouldn't cry, yeah, because God's you know? perfect, yeah, and and it's like, no, I'm pretty sure that baby needed diapers change. I'm pretty sure that baby cried, and you know, what 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 if Jesus had colic? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> He, yeah. he, he 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 comes into the muck of a sin wrecked world he has not sin himself which i think is what they're trying to communicate in that language i, I want to put the best construction on it um, i think they're trying to communicate that is that you know he he is not um a, a sinner himself but he he does come into the muck of the sinful world so much so that yes he does suffer pains of hunger and want and need um, so much so that Hebrews makes a big point of this when uh, they're talking about uh, the very nature of Christ.
2: I, I think this very, in, in spite of the shortness of this article, this very conversation that we're having kind of highlights uh, the confusion that arises with this. And I, and I think you know you guys all as pastors have probably encountered this you know with your members you know when they're when they're encountering all these various heresies. But they don't have the names attached to them. So nobody's going around saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm totally an Arian. You know, <laughs> I believe that Jesus was the first creation. You know, he was created by God, but he was the first. So, you know, he's reigning on high, but he's still a creation. No, nobody's running around saying I'm an Arian, but they are running around saying I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Um, you know, you get adoptionism, which is kind of like the lesser hardcore version of Arianism, where, you know, Jesus became God. I don't know, at the baptism. When do they usually say he was adopted? John the Baptist, when he baptizes him or something, that's when he becomes God. I don't know. There's
3: changes depending on who depends you're talking on, to. It
2: depends yeah. on the heretic. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'd be interested to hear from from you pastors, where do you tend to encounter these kinds of difficulties the most in your parishioners? Where out there in the world, you know, if we're going to apply, okay, how, how does, why does Article 3 matter to me? Why do I even care about this? Um, as a layperson, I'm probably getting hit by this all the time where am I going to see this most commonly? What are the big ones out there right now?
1: Let's take that up on the other side of this break, talking with Pastor Peter Ill of Trinity Lutheran Church, Sean Smith of St. Paul's and Emmanuel, and Peter Slayton, social media manager of the LCMS. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: What did John the Baptist mean when he said that he came baptizing with water that Jesus might be revealed to Israel? Live Tuesday on Issues Etc. We'll look forward to the second Sunday after the Epiphany with Dr. Carl Fikentcher. And we want your answer to the question, what is your favorite Epiphany hymn and why? Issues Etc. Live
1: weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO.
0: Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good
1: news. Worldwide KFUO. Jesus
3: said, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Worldwide KFUO invites you to start and end your day with the Word of God and prayer with morning prayer at 9 a.m. and evening prayer at 5 p.m. The broadcasts of morning prayer and evening prayer are underwritten by Lutherans for
1: Life. Weekdays on the Messenger of Good News, Worldwide KFUO. Hi, this is Pastor Harrison.
0: Let me tell you about something new and exciting. We call it Life Together, a monthly digital digest where I'll be sharing news and highlights from synod publications and multimedia outlets. There'll be something for everyone. Each digest will be delivered to your inbox, showing how we live and work together to proclaim the gospel and bear Christ's mercy to one another in our congregations, communities, and the world. Please be sure
1: to subscribe today. You'll be glad you did.
2: In 1929, the Boston Symphony Orchestra commissioned a Russian composer. Composer Igor Stravinsky, one of the
1: most important composers of the first half of the 20th century, to compose
0: a work to celebrate their 50th anniversary.
3: A symphony Time magazine later named the century's best classical piece. Stravinsky's Symphony of Psalms was a work in three movements for chorus and orchestra, the last of which is the longest, inspired by Psalm 150. Praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in his mighty heavens. In an interview, Stravinsky said that the Psalms are poems of exaltation but also of anger and judgment and even of curses. He even included a section of music in the symphony inspired by 2 Kings when Elijah's chariot climbs into the heaven. Engage with the Bible and its impact and influence in every sphere. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible.
1: back to concord matters where we're seeking to be of one mind while disagreeing about christmas songs and how we talk about the incarnation <laughs> of jesus christ actually trying to get it all tied up in nice neat ends and that's why we love these words given to us from the confession is because we all know we get underneath these words and we kind of hide from what peter you were saying just a moment ago our own inability to perfectly understand this mm-hmm. yeah?
2: yeah yeah so i had my question yeah that's what I'm where do trying you guys, to get where, yeah where
3: do you guys encounter this as pastors I encounter it. Uh, even before the break, We, uh, Pastor Fisk said a couple of times that God died. And this is a question that I get from the folks at my congregation a um, couple of times a year. Wait, what do you mean God died? The Father didn't die. And we bump right into that. And when we hear God, we think the Father, mm-hmm. and we don't want to think about the two natures of Christ, God and man dying. We're, we're really quick to divide, to make that same move that Nestorius made of taking a crowbar and popping those two boards apart. So the humanity of Jesus died, but the divinity didn't die. Well, no, all of Jesus Christ died, God and man, but we also are... Uh, Quick to confess God the Father didn't die. God the Holy Spirit didn't die, but God the Son did die and rise again. And, And so that would be one example. Another example of times when that might happen is when we take something that's difficult or even impossible Skip the skip the difficult, move to completely impossible to understand, and we try to present it in a very uh, visible, tactile way, um, almost like if we were trying to use, say, a, a children's sermon or something like that, and try to explain these inexplainable things, inexplicable things. In a way
2: that a child can understand it. Well, there's no metaphor for
3: the
1: Trinity. Yeah, there's no
3: metaphor for the Trinity. Every analogy right. for the Trinity, every analogy for two natures in Christ, every analogy for the mysteries of God fails.
2: They're uh, all going to get you stabbed in the that, face. That's heresy, Patrick. Patrick.
3: It, yeah, <laughs> and so, yeah, it doesn't matter if it is the, uh, the three-leafed clover or uh, An apple, the apple, or the pie, or the pizza, or the, the or the uh, ice
0: and the water vapor and the y- oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. or the sun. Let's, and yeah. let's down and, down and we're, we're throwing
3: sl- all of these around like it. Uh, like, we all know what we're talking I about. I going to slow
1: down here and pull those two apart, though, because Thanks. I know that the Apple one, particularly, is in a book that's been published in our synod for, mm-hmm. I don't know, 30, 40 years. I saw it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and the water one is just a common one to come up. So do you mind taking the Apple, Peter? And sure. then, uh, uh, Sean, you want to talk about the water? How What what are they actually teaching that's wrong? Um, The,
3: the Apple book uh, is... A reference to uh, an apple has skin and an apple has flesh and an apple has a core, but there's not three apples. There's one apple. It has three parts. Um, And by doing that, you can carve an apple into parts. You can skin the apple. You can take the flesh away from the core and you can ultimately divide the three different parts of an apple and so you have skin plus flesh plus core equals one apple right and, and none of the parts are
1: apple by themselves
3: and right and none of the parts are apple by themselves and that leads to the same kind of thinking when you start to apply it to the trinity father plus son plus holy spirit equals god but the father by himself is not god or the holy spirit by himself is not god and so on and so you can carve out god and and not just distinguish the persons of the Trinity, but separate them. And that's where we get into trouble, because you cannot separate the persons of the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What they do, they do together.
1: And that's why the water is such a better example.
0: Well, <laughs> no. don't get carried away. Go ahead, Sean, take that well, one. Well, and 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 I'm just going to be honest here and say, heresy makes my head spin more than, than the actual truth More does. than the demons yeah, inside you?
3: you <laughs> well, yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> more than your own
2: original sin? Right.
0: Well, because I mean, there's just so much wrong with it. I mean, because you, you, you don't... The water as vapor or an ice cube or as the... The liquid state, you know, like then, now you're trying to say that God takes on different states, and, and I don't want to like it. Just makes my mind blow. Like that's modalism, yeah, Patrick. there's so many. There's different. There's different states, different modes. Well, the I'm, modalism of of the uh, the different of of God as there is with water, but that denies the fact that God is always God, wrapped up as it is, and. Well, once is, you, once rather, you do sorry. that, so
1: if you can imagine that, that uh, say, the Father is the, I don't know, the the ice, because that's hard, and Jesus is the water, and the Spirit is the, the water vapor. Now, you have both the Spirit and the Father, when they've become Jesus, right, uh, as water, are dying on the cross. So you, you're actually having the entire Trinity dying on the cross. You always have the entire Trinity, just in different forms. Right? And there is no actual... Persons, There's no distinction yeah. now right. between them.
3: And the Father passes into the Son, and the Son passes into the Spirit. And so they don't confess three simultaneous persons. Right. They talk about one person of God who is manifested or revealed in different ways, uh, which is not how Scripture speaks. It's not how John 17 speaks when Jesus prays, uh, Father, you and I are one, and I say these things so that they may know that we are one. Uh, According to a modalist, or the metaphor of the water vapor, then Jesus is just talking to himself. Yeah, right. And it doesn't really accomplish anything.
0: And and this is important because it does play into this Article 3 on Christ. It even plays into Article 2, which I was ready to move on from, but it's a part of the body of the doctrine. Can't get away but, from it. Yeah, but no, these things do play out, too, because now... Um, you know, when you talk about Christ dying on the cross, well, there's the heresy in there of, well, you know, here he's playing the part of human, right? You know, we're pulling apart. It's the Nestorian error again, right? Error again. Um, uh, So also uh, it comes in with that sin issue again of, you know, Oh, now I'm living as a sinner because I fell into this specific sin, as opposed to negating the fact that you are always a sinner. Right. And that Mm -hmm. is, that is your nature. And, um, So yeah, it does play into those things. I often like to to say... The, the Lutheran life, that is the faithful Orthodox Christian life, is is one of holding things in tension. And that is difficult by its very nature. It, it, it is a life wrapped up in paradox, seeming contradiction. And these things are difficult to wrestle with. And I think it's with the best of intentions that we see pastors um, and, and lay people and just Christians fall into the traps of these heretical um, uh, images and so forth, because we're trying to wrestle with difficult things. Um, and and this is where, you know, children's messages by their very nature are just really dangerous because we're trying to take really difficult things instead of just confessing them and just teaching them the words, because the words are what's important and just repeat them after. Right. And that's the truth. And just believe it. Um, we try to give examples of it and it quickly comes unraveled, quickly becomes heresy and it's just too dangerous for, well, think, for my taste.
2: I think we naturally want to resolve tension. Oh, yeah. As, as humans, we don't like living in tension. We don't like having anything that feels like conflict or anything unresolved. We always want to resolve it. And I think it's it's one of the liberties of being Lutheran. Um, but it's also, if, if I can say it this way, the cross that we have to bear is that there's great freedom in being able to say, I don't know. And... When, when regards to the Trinity, the two natures in Christ, there is a whole lot of I don't know involved there. There's a whole lot of those two things can't both be true and yet they are. I don't know how that works. I'm just going to leave it there. So there's a great freedom in, in being able to say that and being free to say that because that's what Scripture says. That's how Scripture speaks. Uh, but at the same time, it's a huge burden and it's difficult because, okay, now I'm in tension. And I don't like being intention. I don't and like that. It's,
1: it's tough not to get to be God and decide how all the truth works. I know, seriously. Yeah. Right? Why didn't he organize it so it makes sense to me? And, and that's, I think that, I mean, this is kind of a tangent, but it essentially is the entire point of faith alone mm-hmm. faith alone doesn't mean understanding alone it means god has revealed to us some things that we really can't understand and there's a great gracious gift on his part to show us the hidden mind that's beyond our 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 measly little monkey brains that we got and and uh and that we are to then well that it creates faith in us but that we are not to try to go, surpass that we don't go into the naked god into the hidden god and pull him down and get to have our minds wrapped around him in that case we would be god yeah. and he would not
0: yeah uh-huh and it really is the nature of the Christian life you see this again and again in the confessions themselves that this is the way we confess uh, Luther does it a lot in the small called articles Melanchthon does it in both the apology and the actual Augsburg confession of the, this is just simply what we know from scripture this is what has been revealed to us and we'll leave well enough alone I, I think that's a, actually a line that Luther uses specifically a couple times in the small card articles uh, and, and Melanchthon talks that way as well and, 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 and that's where we need to learn the comfort of just... Yeah, not not trying to resolve the tension because it's going to quickly get into heresy. It's going to try to climb into the the mind of God and what has not been revealed to us. And you're going to you're going to get into trouble there. I, I often like to say, um, you know, I, I leave the liturgy and the creed, just for instance, as the best children's message there is, because the if I try to resolve the tension and explain the the mystery of the Trinity um, to to children, I'm going to quickly run into and heresy and then I'm an unfaithful pastor and woe is me because it's gonna be a tough day on judgment day for me you know and so I don't want that danger I want that burden of conscience so here's the creed here's the liturgy here's what we confess on the basis of Scripture leave well enough alone and just use those words believe it
1: I've been digging here on the internet trying to find something connected to what you said earlier Sean about the the two natures of Christ being a a good type or a, a full example now, we don't have examples of it It is a full example of what it's like to have two natures, and so that the way that we talk about the two natures of Christ can help us talk about the Lord's Supper. It can help us talk about being simul justus et peccator, uh, simultaneously saint and sinner, having two natures as a Christian, both the Christian nature of the new man and the, the, the fleshly nature of Adam, or again, back to the supper, having the nature of bread and the nature of the body of Christ at the same time. So what I'm digging for here is something that comes out of that debate, that fight between Eutychus and and Nestorius, uh, which was how they finally settled it at the Council of Chalcedon, back when the Church reckoned things by councils, that is, if there's a fight, let's get together and talk about it and hash it out, something that Luther very much longed for and never got to see, by the way. Um, All the councils since Luther's day have not invited the Lutherans to them. Uh, But the Chalcedon had these four negatives, or the four negations of Chalcedon, four things that we are not to do with the natures of Christ. Um, one is we are not to confuse them and we are not to interchange them. And then on the other side, that's two things actually, but they're kind of the same because they're saying the same thing repeatedly to get it across. And yet there's a paradox here. Don't confuse, don't interchange, don't divide and don't separate. Right? Uh, so uh, those words I've always found very helpful for also dealing with the life that we have as As a Christian, so that I do not confuse my new man with my old man, nor do I believe they're divided from each other. (laughs) And then this gets to where, again, where is the unity of Christ? And do you guys remember this language from seminary? It's always kind of frustrating because you can't understand it, but it does answer the problem. It's the unity of his person. They taught us right that it's in the person of the Son of God that God and man now, as natures, rest. And you're like, well, God, yeah, that makes sense, but gee, it's not very satisfying. It is I can't
0: get my yeah, exactly it. <laughs> well, and, and see, the nature too is is that when you are God, right, and your Creator of the heavens and the earth and everything. Right, um, you get to make assertions and and not really support them and explain them. Well, they get to you be know. what you say, and, right? You know? and, and, yeah, especially and, when your word yeah. is actually creative. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And and that that's the nature of truth. And so we we need to learn to be comfortable with. God speaks in this assertion. It is. It is this way, and and so I believe that. Um, you know. Now, if if um, you know Peter Ill here makes makes an assertion, I might ask him to defend his assertion. Uh, and and I have and that you right. you should, because he's not he's not God. You know. Uh, but uh, we struggle with those things in 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 our culture as well. I'm
3: glad you keep reminding me that I'm not God. That actually <laughs> yeah.
0: helps, because, because I, am. I am
3: my own favorite false god.
0: Right, but I'm I'm God. I
2: thought I was you're all wrong
0: yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) hey we're back to article two look at that there we go (laughs) just can't escape that problem
3: I I know that we're starting to run out of time but there is one more sentence here that's really worth our attention and for us to take up a bit and that is this sentence Christ suffered and died to reconcile the father to us and was raised again to reign and so often, when we talk about Jesus' work of justification for us, we like to talk about it in terms of, of He is our Savior. He came to, uh, to forgive us, to make us holy. And we like to talk about Jesus did this for us. We don't talk uh, very often. Or, or often enough, about Jesus coming to reconcile us to the Father. But that is exactly how Romans 5 talks, and how many of the other Pauline epistles talk about Jesus' work for us, that there's a debt to be paid because of our sin, and there is enmity between God and us right. because of our sinfulness. Uh, and now we're back to Article 2 again.
1: Um, but there's there's this division between us and God that has to be breached and right. has to be reconciled, and, and, and it Jesus is, does that literally in he, his person. And, and he he does it literally in his person and
3: on the cross jesus the god man suffers and dies for us reconciling us to the father uh, as romans 5 says and and here i get to say I, it doesn't make sense to me how how that all works but that's okay god has decreed it and because god has decreed it in scripture i don't need god to uh, insert his footnotes and so
1: that i can check his his references he's god Right when the guy creates the universe with his words, uh, when he then saves uh, people through an arc that he promises will work, uh, when he when he descends as a cloud and talks from a burning bush, and then he shows up as a man and starts touching people and they're blind but now they can see, they got leprosy but now it's gone. It's kind of time to stop wondering whether or not. What he says is true. And instead, be like Peter or Isaiah, fall down at his feet. Moses, fall down and just say, well, they all said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. But they didn't yet have quite the fullness that we do. We should just say, forgive me, O Lord, a sinner. And, that's, and we get, it's back to mm-hmm. liturgy again, right? What we were talking about earlier. Yeah.
2: Well, and it, that's That brings up a good point. I, one of the things I wanted to bring up is today being January 10th, Talking about liturgy, talking about the church here. Today is the day we celebrate the Cappadocian Fathers, and this is this is new to me. I mean, I'm I didn't grow up Lutheran, so I've only encountered the Sorry, historic liturgy. <laughs> that that's good. It's yeah. it's part of my original sin that yeah. I didn't. Yeah, um, you know. I, I so I'm being exposed to this slowly, and every every little bit that I learned about the church here and the liturgy is just it's wonderful. And this the fact that we're discussing the Trinity, the two natures in Christ today on January tenth. When we commemorate, as part of our church year, the Cappadocian fathers, Gregory um, of Nassianzus, Gregory of Nyssa, and Basil the Great of Caesarea. Three guys, two brothers, and a close friend who dedicated their lives to this battle, to discussing and teaching and defending against all the heresies. Well, maybe not all of them, but most of the heresies we've talked about today. This isn't unique to us. The church has always struggled against this there are many that we can rely on that we can go back to and the the church year is if you follow it in the the celebrations i've got a, in front of me celebrating the saints by pastor whedon it's a great little supplement if you use the treasury of daily prayer this kind of goes a little bit further into those but um uh, he'll pay me for that plug a little bit later if yeah
1: um, no it's, it's good stuff though and, and one of the strengths of being if we're going to talk about being Lutheran again. It's really not about that. One of the strengths of being a Christian who cares about the past hmm. is that you have other Christians in the past who were faithful. We are not the only generation. And we will smarter. not be. Yeah, well, yeah. And they were smarter <laughs> than us. Well, than me, you, you, than you, not me. I, I, I totally messed my own joke up. They were, they were. They were clever. They were committed. They were convicted. They fought battles we can't even imagine. Many of them were willing to die for it. When we can barely handle a boring service without giving up on the entire thing,
0: many of them did die. Did for it. die for yep. it,
1: and their words are still with us. I mean, this is the entire point of Concord Matters: is sure. that the words of the past are still with us. Uh, that uh, we, we don't believe in democracy, but again, Chesterton uh, spoke of uh, tradition is democracy where the dead get a vote too, and. Uh, Go ahead, Peter. As,
3: as Peter was talking before, I, it reminded me that uh, earlier today, I got to host our Circuit Pastors Conference, and I thought I could write a sermon about the baptism of Jesus, and then I thought, wait... I bet that Gregory of Nanzianzus did. And so I found it. And I was able to proclaim that um, on the commemoration
1: nice. of That's Gregory good. of Nanzianzus. That's good. So you were lazy and plagiarized rather than do your job. Uh, but I told could everybody.
2: But that he I can I pronounce the guy's name. so he's <laughs> And forgiven. I can pronounce his name. <laughs> I'm sure it was a good sermon, too. Um, yeah.
1: It's a great sermon.
3: And one of the great lines that he had is that Jesus came to John the Baptist and John said, And you come to be baptized by me. And. Uh, Gregory goes ahead and he paraphrases John a little bit and he says, let it be so now that I be baptized by you. And then he goes on to say, and really you could say, and for you too, because you need this baptism as much as anybody else. And... And it is timely words from 381 or so uh, that apply to Christians in Christ's church here and now today. And this is the true blessing of, of those Christians who come before us. Mm-hmm. And we get to continue uh, just like that Chesterton quote says where uh, the dead get a vote absolutely uh, the voices of those who rest in christ of, of gregory and gregory and basil and add to the list it doesn't mean the majority is speak.
1: is always right
3: but what no. you do know
1: is that if it's true you can find it in a generation before ours
3: absolutely yep. yep and it's a wonderful treasure that the church has and if you just came
2: up with it it's probably heresy probably, <laughs> probably. Uh, it's good yeah probably that.
0: yep well and and yeah it speaks to the nature of true unity it uh, Robert Preuss once said, uh, you know, one of our LCMS, um, you know, uh, ancestors here uh, just generation before or so. And uh, he, he said, you know, it's not that the confessions um, could not err. It's that they did not. It stood the test of time yep. is what he's saying. And that's what the, the fathers of the church have done. That's what our creeds have done. The creeds are not directly from Scripture. The, they are faithful teaching on the truth of scripture. And they have stood the test of time um, over and over again. And and that's actually pointed to in here to article three. And we were talking earlier about, you know, uh, uh, taking different exits off of different uh, with different uh, denominations and so forth. And, and this is really important. The point that Melanctha makes here that uh, and to sanctify believers, according to the apostles creed and the Nicene creed, what he's saying is this is true unity. If you confess these creeds, you you are speaking truth here um, ab- about this article of faith and the body of doctrine. And that still is an issue for us today because there are church bodies out there that claim to be Christian that do not confess no. those creeds. And, that's where, and, and really that's where I say, you know, we have more in, in unity with our, our Catholic brothers um, who do confess these creeds mm-hmm. than those church bodies that don't. That's
1: where we, re- we draw the line between what we normally would call heresy and heterodoxy. It's sort of an right. arbitrary dis- use of those terms, but once you're outside those two creeds you're not a christian mm-hmm. you just aren't uh, if you're inside of those creeds we at least know we have christianity here although that heterodoxy can still be dangerous and effectively divide us right because the romans would hold to those creeds which is why we call them brothers and sisters in christ and yet here we are having to seek one mind by going back to scripture and trying to find out you know which 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 thing has god really said and where are we going to finally lay our laurels, is it going to be at the mercy of Christ alone, or is it going to be at Jesus plus, a little bit of Jesus merit plus some of my merit and maybe a few years burning in purgatory. You're on Concord Matters right now with Peter Ill of Trinity Lutheran Church in Millstead, Pastor Sean Smith of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Wine Hill, Illinois, as well as Emmanuel Westpoint, oh, please play on this talk there, uh, John uh, Peter Slayton of Social Media Manager, <laughs> Jeez. For
2: the LCMS. For the
1: LCMS. And I'm your host, Pastor Jonathan Fisk. At the end of a wonderful but very long day, my brain almost dead, but nonetheless reconciled, baptized, regenerated, and alive in Christ. Hoping you are too. You've heard the message of good news here on Worldwide KFUO. <laughs>